Hello and welcome to the Brand Nurture Podcast, the show that's all about expanding what's possible and building a brand and a life you can't wait to wake up to. I'm your host, Emily Cecile, brand designer and marketing strategist, here to encourage you to build a brand that allows you to share your passion while enabling you to live your life outside of it. Through marketing, branding, mindset and more, each week I'll be pulling back the curtain to provide sustainable strategies, inspiring insights and transformative tales to help you grow your brand claim your dream life and realize that you are not alone. Grab a cup of coffee and join me as we explore what it takes to build a brand and a life you love. This is the Brand Nurture Podcast. Hello friends and welcome back to another episode of the Brand Nurture Podcast. I am so excited to have you here today. If you have ever felt like you were busy doing all the things, filling up your to-do list but not actually getting anywhere, not really focusing on what matters, and refusing to take those next steps because everything wasn't quite perfect, then the conversation I have today with Steph Ellen Diplock is the one for you. Steph Ellen is a transformational life coach who works with high performers to let go of perfectionism, break self-sabotage cycles, and show up as their most authentic self to create a life of flow, not force. A mission I am obsessed with, and I know you will be too. I can tell the conversation I have with her today is going to be super powerful. Steph, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So I know that your journey is a little bit out of the ordinary, and I would love for you to share your story, what led you to where you are today, because I think it's definitely one I've not heard before. Yes, it's a little bit like that, and I will try and keep it relatively short and not so convoluted, but it's not always easy. So I think think it's easiest to start with where I am right now. So as a mindset coach, but my career really started as a equine veterinarian. So a very different field mm-hmm. and certainly a field where I saw a lot of people struggling with burnout, myself included, very high stress, incredibly rewarding, but quite a big cost to pay for that as well. And these sort of high standards that I had for myself really seeped into every area of my life. And I found that I was really struggling with this perfectionism, this imposter syndrome, never really meeting the standards I set for myself, working hard, playing hard, but just getting into this cycle of what's next? Is this it? Never feeling like anything was enough. And so really the sort of change for me came, there were quite a few little nudges from the universe when you look back in hindsight, as there always is. Uh, But one of the biggest ones was not so much a nudge, but more of a kick, a literal kick in the face from a horse. And that happened in 2020. So I'd already been on this sort of healing journey, the self-discovery. And then at work, I got kicked in the face and it was a freak accident, definitely something that can happen. And I was so, so lucky, like walked away from it with injuries and some psychological aspect should have been worse. And that was my big, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like this could, your life could have been completely changed in that moment and you are not living the way you're supposed to be living. So that was quite a big wake up call to say the least. And really from there, I signed up for my yoga teacher training. That was the first little thing that really started to snowball this journey and get it moving a lot more quickly. And as I went through my training, got to know myself so much more, I realized that there was other things that I wanted to do. And so over time, I did my coaching certification as well, a couple of other modalities. And I've really just stepped into this role of just empowering other women, especially high achievers that 
you don't have to do what you thought you were going to do at 18. You don't have to still be on the same path that, you know, was really what you thought you wanted. So now I still do some veterinary work. Like I still do a couple of days a week. In addition to running my coaching practice, I teach a couple of yoga classes. I consider myself a multi-passionate recovered perfectionist. And that's what I'm here to do is really show people that they can get out of their own way and start living a version of success that is authentic to them. It doesn't have to match anyone else's. Yeah, your story is incredible. And I think that having that realization that you can walk a different path than the one that you thought that you had to walk down is something that a lot of people actually never end up doing. I think we are kind of psychologically trained to think, you know, when you go to university and you train in something and then you do it and that's your job. And it's a very hard cycle to break out of. So I love that you're helping people do that because it's something that I'm super passionate about myself. Like I went to university for fashion communication and just walking a different path than the one that you thought you were going to is a scary but necessary step to helping you to get to that next happier version of yourself, I think. Yeah. And so much of it's giving yourself that permission to change your mind as well and not being attached to that previous version of you because something could have been right for you in that moment. And it doesn't mean that it's right for you now, but it also doesn't mean that you have to stick with a decision that you made previously. And that's where this real sort of self-trust comes into it. And this like deep knowing and connection to yourself and that inner guidance, because sometimes it's hard to tell whether you're changing your mind or giving up on something because you know you don't think you can do it or because it's actually not the right path and so that's where using that discernment and getting to know yourself on such a deep level is so important yeah no I completely agree so you mentioned that you help people step into that next version of success that what success looks like to them what would you say authentic version of success means to you and also looks like for you so for me that's something that I've spent a long time really trying to define and again it's quite I'm not super attached to it it's quite fluid for me it's knowing my values it's knowing my values which again sounds like some corporate mumbo jumbo it sounds like some really basic so yeah like that basic thing that you hear but when you actually get down to it for me authenticity is one of my core values a genuine connection with people and also this like curiosity this sort of thirst for knowledge so when you actually know those things because they're going to be different for everyone but you can use them to actually create a framework every time you make a decision so for me authentic success is when I'm living in alignment with those values and freedom as well is another huge one for me so my authentic version of success is where I'm able to express myself freely, connect with others, and also satisfy that. Like for me, I've got this like insatiable need to understand things. Like that's, I've been a high achiever, very bright and clever in school, but also like I see something, I want to know how it works. And I want that freedom in my life to be able to explore that. I want to be able to be like, oh, I'm going to spend this money on this course and learn something. I'm going to travel, spend time with my family. That's what it means to me. It's not necessarily ticking these goals, especially these arbitrary societal goals that you're just like, okay, at this age, I'm going to get my degree and then I'm going to meet my partner and then we're going to get married and we're going to have however many children. Like, And it's this line of this list that we have that 
we didn't even really decide on. We just got that part that got passed down to us. And that can be perfect for someone. It can be. But for most people, it's not going to look exactly like you planned it when you were 16 years old. Yeah. I think for me personally, the idea of that set path being like, this is when I go to university and then I'll meet my partner. And then, like you said, for me, as someone I think can relate highly to what you just said, that feels suffocating. (laughs) No, it, it brings up those feelings of, is this it? Like you mentioned earlier, like I was a high performer. I still am a high performer. Definitely still coming over with perfectionism, trying to break out of that cycle. So yeah, I think it's difficult. It is difficult to do that. But I like what you said about having a framework of values that help you make those decisions. And I think that's something that is really useful in life as well as business. Like in the beginning of starting a business, you want to say yes to so many opportunities and you're grasping at everything because there's a little bit of that scarcity mentality. But having a framework of values that you can, when opportunities come in, you can evaluate them against what really feels good to you truly can help you definitely to connect with the right people and go down a path that is much more in alignment for the long term rather than just grasping at straws in the beginning. Exactly. Because when you're saying yes to too many things, then you're really saying no to yourself. There's going to be some compromise. And exactly like you say, it's very suffocating if you're following this set regime of how you think things should be. Whilst if you have this knowing in yourself what is important to you, it's still flexible. It's like, oh, I don't have to achieve this by this deadline. It's not based on your achievement. It's based on how something makes you feel. It's not something you're ticking off. It's this framework to come back to, to be like, wait, yeah, does that opportunity fit with my values? No, then you don't feel guilty as well. Because often when you're like perfectionism could be so linked to like people pleasing as well, because even though when you think of a perfectionist, you think of a people pleaser, you might think of a slightly different personality, but sometimes it really is about wanting to portray this this image of being perfect, of being really nice, of being able to do it all. And so you end up overstretching yourself and then not meeting these standards that you set for yourself anyway. So it's this, again, this cycle, because then you push yourself even further, spread yourself thinner and never get there. Yeah, completely. That really brings me nicely to my next question, which was, as someone who works with high-performing women on a weekly basis, how do you most commonly see perfectionism, self-sabotage, all those kind of feelings manifesting for people? So I'd say there's two main ways. The biggest one, and this is really encompasses a lot of things, but is this procrastination piece. It's this not actually doing the things that you say you want to do or just not doing something in general. It's avoiding starting something. And this can really be tied in with perfectionism for sure because a lot of the time it's waiting until something is perfect. It's waiting until you feel like you know enough, waiting till you feel ready. It's not wanting to start writing your book until you've got your new laptop and it feels more professional or not wanting to go to the gym until you've bought your new gym outfit because you want to, it's all of these little things. And With self-sabotage in general, like self-sabotage really is misleading because it sounds like you're out to get yourself. (laughs) 
sounds there's something malicious. There's some like evil saboteur that's like pulling the strings and stopping you from achieving what you really want to do. But actually, it's really a form of self-protection. It's trying to keep you safe. It's trying to keep you in the known, in the familiar. If you don't push yourself outside that comfort zone by doing that new scary thing, then you're kept in this safe place. You're kept in the same place that's known to you. So the first one is this perfectionism, procrastination loop, just not doing these things. The other thing that I see with perfectionism in particular, and particularly in women, and it does affect men as well, but there is this, I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but there's this concept called the effortless perfection myth. It's based on a, it's a book, Carolina Peterson, her name is. And it's this idea that so many women are under pressure to look perfect, but also get great grades, uh, be fit, have a great group of friends, look a certain way, have everything all together, but also not even look like you're breaking a sweat doing it. Like it's got to look effortless. And this is, the book is about college campuses in particular, but I really think this goes for all levels of life. So women have this pressure to look great and really look like they have it all together but not ask for help. So it's this like image of this, this like beautiful swan gliding along and underneath the legs are just like frantically paddling, but no one else can see that. And this just sends us more into ourselves. It sends us more into the shame spiral of everyone else is doing it and they look fine. They don't look like they're trying, but no one knows the struggles that everyone else is going through behind closed doors. So I think there's two main things there. They're, they're different, but it's this pressure to be perfect all the time, but without any visible effort. And then there's this other side of it where it's just this crippling procrastination where it's, I don't even want to try because then I can't fail. Yeah. I can definitely relate to wanting to buy a new gym outfit before I go to the gym. That is <laughs> definitely something I have experienced. But I think I've always been like a high achiever and I've suffered with anxiety for most of my life. But I think, like you said, the swan gliding, don't ask for help. I can do everything by myself kind of thing. That really showed up for me when I became a mum. And I was like, I'm running a business. I'm being a mum. You're doing all the things. And you're like, no, I can do everything. It's fine. And then it doesn't take too long to realize that it's okay to ask for help and you need to ask for help. I'm very fortunate that I have an incredible partner who does help me a lot. I'm definitely going to read this book that you suggested because it sounds right on my street. But yeah, that feeling of I want to be able to do everything and pretend that I don't need to feel like I'm slowly suffering underneath that outwardly it looks fine. But yeah, I think that it didn't take long for that to come out and me say, okay, I need, I do need help actually. <laughs> I am quickly interrupting this episode with an announcement that I don't think will shock you. I believe that branding matters. Your branding is the face of your business, introducing you to your audience and customers. And let's face it, first impressions matter. That's where we at The Sale Creative Studio come in. Whether you're looking for one-on-one -on -one consulting to provide you with high-level expertise and strategize your next steps, or you're looking to step into that new era for your brand with a strategic brand identity, we are here to help you reach your goals and fall back in love with your brand. Head over to Cecil Creative Studio to learn more about the services we offer and how we can help you achieve your wildest version of success. Now, back to the episode. 
Yeah. And it's liberating when you realize you can ask for help as well. And that most people want to help and most people want to be able to be of that service. And so many people would love to receive that themselves, but it's just everyone's stuck in these bubbles of this. Like I always say perfectionism is like this armor that you've got on and it's, it's so shiny, but it keeps where you think it's protecting you, but it's also keeping other people out because people see they look like you've got it all together and it's almost like unapproachable sometimes but actually you're you're dying to ask for help on the inside you're like wishing that someone would help you but you also a lot of the time feel unworthy of asking for that help and receiving that help because so many perfectionists they really pride themselves again on that ability to do it themselves and don't like to celebrate their success. That's another key thing as well. A lot of perfectionists will struggle to celebrate success and especially if they've had to ask for help. So it's really a case of unlearning all of that conditioning because we're meant to be in community. Like we're meant to be helping each other. Like no one is meant to be doing this all on their own. Yeah. And so as someone, like I said, who has suffered strongly with imposter syndrome and anxiety and perfectionism and all the things, what would you say are some tools coping mechanisms journeys how to help overcome those feelings there's many different things and that's what I love about this work as well is there's so many sort of nuances and it's going to be different for everybody however getting to the root of where it comes from is one of the most important things you can do and so much of that is not on the conscious level so a lot of that can involve really getting into either somatic, so getting into the body, where you feel things in your body, learning to regulate your nervous system. And also I do a lot of subconscious work as well. So like hypnosis, actually going into memory as well and finding where these sort of core beliefs came from and being able to change them on that core level, because it may be something small. Like a lot of the time we look back on them as a adult we look back at the time that your teacher said that your drawing was a mess and that you were the worst one in the class or something and as an adult you minimize that because you're like that wasn't a big deal that shouldn't have affected me but it did when you were six years old and so when you actually can get into the theta brainwave which is a little bit like a dreamlike state but if you can get into that state go into your subconscious and look at those from that point of view you can actually start to change how you feel about those memories so you can do some really amazing deep work with that but a lot of it as well is coming back to the body it's that nervous system regulation especially with anxiety it's having the tools so for example it might be breath work it might be things like tapping there's many different modalities that will work for different people and I think it's trial and error a lot of it as well it's not just one thing on Instagram that everyone says is the absolute best thing for trauma healing and this is the one and only thing you should do I'm like no it's not we're all so different there's no one size fits all it would be great some if there was we'd all be walking around fully healed all of the time and it's about finding what works for you and not shaming yourself if what worked for your friend doesn't work for you you just keep going trying something out it's not about the one size fits all plan but there's plenty of things out there to try And different things might work on different days as well. Sometimes a walk in nature is really what I want. That's what my inner child wants. It wants to go lie in the grass. 
Sometimes it's, I want to take some really deep breaths, come back into my body. Sometimes it's, I want to punch in a pillow, put on some angry, like angry emo music that I used to listen to when (laughs) I was like 13, start punching stuff. So it's different tools for different feelings for different days. Yeah, that's so true. Sometimes like all I want to do is go and lie in the grass. And then other times, yeah, you want to just tap into your emotions, put on some M&M and (laughs) just feel into that. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like this thing, this whole thing with healing, with overcoming all of these things, I think it's so important as well to not get too stuck in all the painful stuff all the time. And that's what I often with my clients as well. We do that really deep transformational work, but it's also about inviting more joy into your life, especially type A overachievers. They're like, oh, sometimes they come to me with they're like, they've got a list of things that they want to fix and they want it fixed yesterday. And they're like, I want to <laughs> fix all of the, want to fix all of these things. And it's let's just do one thing at a time, see what comes up. Like you're already predicting how this is going to go. Like part of this journey is letting go of that perceived control because perfectionism is trying to control things it's trying to control people's perception of you in some way and it's just gently loosening that grip we don't go crazy we're not just going to be like just get up at karaoke when you can't sing and just like it's baby steps it's pushing out of your comfort zone nudging a little bit further each time yeah yeah I love that to take messy action it's something that we hear a lot and people say that's the best of it just start, take messy action. But as a recovering perfectionist, I know that it's a lot easier to say, yeah, I'm going to take the messy action. And then to actually do it is a different story. What would you say is your biggest piece of advice to helping people just take that step? Biggest piece of advice? I would say the first thing that really comes to me is actually a little bit back to what I was saying before about having your values in the framework. Because there's always going to be this fear piece. There's going to be the fear of failure, the fear of getting it wrong. And so there needs to be a bigger purpose, like the purpose and the why needs to outweigh the fear. So if you have a goal, and when I say goal, again, grip that lightly, don't attach yourself to it. But that's why those values I think are so powerful is because if you know that this action piece is going to take you closer to that authentic version of success and you've got that in your mind, it helps, like that needs to be strong enough to override that fear because that fear is going to be there. We're not going to get rid of it, especially when you're first starting to take these steps because it's a cliche because it works, but it's just practicing. Like it's just practicing little steps. And the more you do it, the more you start to reframe any potential failures as feedback, that's such a powerful thing as well. And people say that all the time. There's no such thing as failure. It's just feedback. It's just detours. But until you actually start experiencing it and realizing, oh, you know what? Actually, the world didn't end. No one remembered it. It's okay. But it's all well and good saying that it is actually, it's in that action piece. It's moving past that procrastination. I think the biggest thing is coming back to, yeah, those values, coming back to that framework. And the other thing would be as well is for me, messy action is imperfect inspired action. So the, we've got we've got that imperfection piece down, just doing what you can, but the inspiration has got to come from yourself. So when you've got that connection to yourself and you start trusting your own intuition and listening to it, and again, that's a practice. If you've been drowning out your intuition for years and years, it's going to be harder to follow it. But 
when you know that you have that guidance from within, you know what that next step is, you know what you can do to try and you trust that even if it doesn't work out exactly the way you thought, it will still be giving you feedback about where to go next. Yeah, that's such great advice. The relationship to the values and like having that core purpose and why is something that I take my clients through at the beginning of every branding project. And just as you were talking, I was hearing so many similarities to that process because I truly believe that building a brand is like humanizing your business and having that purpose, that why, that list of values to come back to is essential and it's essential in the work that I do. So hearing you say that was very holistic in my eyes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, again, what entrepreneurship and everything now is as well, isn't it? It's this It's no longer about just, I'm sure it is for some people, but just making money, turning a profit. Like it's also this like self-actualization for many people. It's the getting to know themselves on such a deep level. And especially when it comes to something like building a personal brand, because like we all, again, this could be a whole other podcast conversation. Everyone has a personal brand, whether you have a business or not. It's like the version of yourself that you're putting out into the world and we just, that doesn't need to be, it's not meant to be curated that like it's meant to be your authenticity shining through. So the more you know yourself, the more aligned you're going to feel with the version of yourself that you're putting out into the world. Yeah. It's, yeah. It all definitely ties in. Yeah, definitely. We'll have to have you back on to have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so the final question that I love to ask is what is lighting you up most in this season of life and business? What's lighting me up most is this curiosity piece, this like actually releasing a bit of control. And like, I still recovering perfectionist. So the control thing, that's still, that's a lesson that I have to face all the time. This surrender, it's following what lights me up. It's actually looking for that inspiration because so many opportunities that have come to me have been unexpected. And I'm now starting to learn that really like it's just magical to be honest it's how cliche and as cheesy as that sounds like when you actually start having this new way of looking at life of seeing the new opportunities like things just present themselves and you're just like I could never have predicted that and it's that's the point (laughs) that is the point and it doesn't matter how many times it happens I'm always like oh okay cool (laughs) and so I'm really just that's finding flow state that's what it really means to me it's this not pushing it like swimming upstream against the current anymore it's allowing myself to just move with that flow yeah it's a lesson I'm also in the process of learning (laughs) (laughs) amazing so where can everyone find out more about you what you offer give me all the places that people can connect with you so mostly on Instagram and so that's at finding flow states I also have a podcast as well so that's I've recently just rebranded that to be called finding flow state as well just to make it a little bit more easy. And then my website, again, probably don't need to say it. We know what it is now. It's it's finding but dash flowstate.com. So yeah, you'll find me there. Instagram is where I hang out the most for sure. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today. It has been amazing to chat with you. Yeah, it's been such a great chat. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. And for listening to this podcast episode all the way to the end, I truly appreciate you being here. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love to encourage you to leave a review as this helps us grow and reach more like-minded individuals. Plus, if you have feedback, episode ideas, or questions, or would just like to connect further, please find me on Instagram at the Thrill Creative Studio, shoot me a DM, and let me know you're listening. Until next time, friend, I'm cheering you on.